John moped along on the rugged jungle path, sloshing through muddy, stinking puddles and swatting at the hordes of pesky mosquitoes attempting to eat him alive. You know, when I get to heaven, I want to ask Noah. Really, bro? Two mosquitoes? You had your chance. Swat two mosquitoes. It's all you had to do. You had one job. Well, two jobs. Build the ark and kill the mosquitoes. Well, you're one for two. But John mumbled under his breath, Christmas. Some Christmas this was. It didn't feel like Christmas. It was too hot, too humid, too miserable, too mosquito-y. Christmas was supposed to be merry, but John couldn't bring any sort of cheer into his mood. He was thinking of how unfestive his current state was when he mistakenly stepped into a deeper puddle, sinking knee-deep into the black mud. That does it! He yelled and continued to grumble as he began jerking on his leg, trying to pull it and yank it free from the puddle. It would be snowing at home. Why can't he be home? Soft flakes would be piling up in mounds just outside the kitchen window. Their family would be baking cookies and making snowmen, singing joy to the world at the top of their lungs. His family would travel from across the state to eat and then to tell stories, and children would laugh as they unwrapped presents. That's what Christmas is supposed to be like. Not stuck out here in the middle of nowhere jungle, complete with monkeys, mosquitoes, and palm trees and mosquitoes. Just the thought made John shudder even more deeply. He began to stomp around, grumbling even more, slowing his pace, but increasing the dents his boots were making into the soft earth. Then, as if the thought just occurred to him for the first time, he sputtered out, And on top of all this, we have church tonight. Come on! Now, John loved church, and he loved God. He had dedicated his life to be a minister of the gospel, but on on that day, just the thought of a church service seemed to be more than he could bear. John had been in this foreign land for nine months now, and now he's going to have to prepare for, pray for, study for, get ready for a church service. John had come to this foreign land with his wife and their young son. He had been part of missions before, but now he was tired. He was discouraged. His son missed his grandma, and John just wanted to be home for Christmas. He said a quick prayer for strength as he opened the door to the place where they were living, greeted his family, and began immediately to get ready for church. During that service, John began to pray for a young man who was new. He told John that he felt something special, something he had never felt before. He felt loved. He needed that in his life. John began to explain that feeling to the young man, and soon God filled that man with his spirit as he began to speak with other tongues as God gave him the ability. In that miraculous moment, John's hardening heart was beginning to soften, and God spoke to him and brought to John's mind the memories of his calling and the burden God had given him for this place and for those who lived here. John began to feel peace knowing that being able to witness lives changed and being part of people experiencing God for the first time was greater than any Christmas tradition, even greater than Christmas cookies. Like John, whether it's Christmas time or any time, we are called to give back to God, to worship Him with our lives and allow Him to use us to bring hope, joy, and love to the world around us. And we're going to hear more about Christmas right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment 
to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old God's Word for Life podcast listeners. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. I hope it's been a joyful season for you. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I am your God's Word for Life podcast host, and I'm so happy to have you on this very special Christmas episode. Today's episode is about the Christmas story, and it stems from, no surprise, I'm sure, the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 11. It's really a toss-up at this time of the year. It's Matthew or Luke, one of the two, take it or leave it, or some sprinkle in some Isaiah, which is always wonderful and powerful. In this case, Matthew 2, verse 11. And when they, referring to the wise men, were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped Jesus. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, in some areas of the world, Christmas is a winter wonderland. And yet in others, it might be a desert with palm trees and waves gently washing against the shoreline. No matter where you find yourself, Christmas is known as the most wonderful time of the year. Time to spend time with family and friends, time to relive some old traditions and create some new ones. At Christmas, we remember the years gone by and we anticipate the ones to come. We give in love, we receive in gratitude. Christmas is a time of splendor, a time of wonder, when we remember and celebrate the birth of our Savior, the birth of Jesus. From the time we were children, we're told to remember the reason for the season. And during the season, the wonder around us inspires us to believe in something far greater than ourselves, to believe in the miraculous, to believe that God would come in flesh. It was during that very first Christmas when our Savior was born. And now, I know December 25th is not the actual date of Jesus' birth, most likely. And yet, during this time, we focus our attention on this birth story of Jesus, and we're moved not only to remember, but to respond Their characters in the Christmas story, they didn't just believe in the Messiah, they acted in worship, and we are called to respond in that same way. The Christmas story is a call to faith. It was for the characters in that story long ago. In the Gospel of Luke, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and announced that two miracle babies would soon be born. I want you to think about this. Two babies born miraculously. One of them born to Elizabeth, her cousin, who was barren and, well, Let's just say it kindly. She was well past child-bearing and child-rearing years. And yet she was already six months pregnant because God had miraculously worked in her life. And then Mary. Mary, who was probably 14, maybe 15 years old, never been with a man before, recently espoused to Joseph, but they had never come together. She was going to be with child. Both miracles in both evidence that God is able to do anything. And the angel proclaimed it, signed it before signing off, and said, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. By faith, Mary accepted this proclamation, this prophecy that the Messiah was on his way. And keep in mind, this is after 400 years of silence from heaven. That paper-thin page between the Old Testament, the New Testament, between the book of Malachi, the book of Matthew known as the intertestamental period between Old and New Testament, known as the silent centuries, 400 years, no vision, no prophet, no priest, hearing a fresh word from God for the people, 400 years. 
And yet God speaks to Mary through an angel and tells her, great news, Mary. The Messiah you've been waiting for, your parents have been waiting, your grand, your great, your great, 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 your great, 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 your great, 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 great parents have been praying for and waiting for. He's on the way. Now, I have never seen an angel before, except for my wife. I've never seen an angel in real life. I've never seen the baby Jesus lying in the manger. So I read the story in faith, believing that this newborn baby in Bethlehem was the long-awaited Savior. And we have an advantage over the characters because we have read the rest of the story. They were living the Christmas story. When we read the Christmas story, we believe not only did God come to earth to be born as a baby, he also grew to become a man. He took on himself the sins of all the world. He, God in flesh, gave his life on the cross. Then he rose again as the victor over sin and death. And now he calls us to be in covenant relationship with him. What an awesome God. First question, has there been a time when you had faith for something that seemed impossible? Now, soon after the angel announced that Mary would be with child and Elizabeth was already with child, Mary said, I've got to check this out. And she traveled what could have been 80 miles to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. And as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, Elizabeth's unborn child leaped with joy in her womb. And the Bible says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. After this experience, Elizabeth absolutely knew Mary was going to be the mother of the Messiah. She called Mary blessed. She said, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? Scripture is not clear whether Mary told Elizabeth about the angel's message, but as soon as Elizabeth encountered the presence of the Messiah through Mary, it changed her life. After Jesus was born, a heavenly host of angels appeared to a group of shepherds. I love that story. Shepherds had so little to look forward to, but on that night, they had everything in the world to look forward to. The angels proclaimed that the, the Christ child was born to them. And they went for themselves to see what the angels had promised. And sure enough, they found Jesus lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they believed and they responded. They glorified and they praised God. And then they told everybody what they had seen. Like Elizabeth, like the shepherds, we experience wonder when we encounter the presence of God. We approach God and we approach Scripture through faith. But then when we enter into the presence of God, we experience Him. He changes us. He firms up our faith. We encounter God. He engulfs us by His Spirit. We are in awe of Him. In awe of Him in the manger. In awe of Him on the cross. In awe of Him as He walks on water. In awe of Him as He touches a leper in awe of him as he calls Lazarus from the grave, in awe of him as he speaks from Canada to Capernaum and heals a nobleman's son. We are in awe of him. If you're not in awe, it could be that you really don't see him as he is. Because when we see him, we'll be in awe of him. And when we're in awe of him, we will worship him. Another question. Was there a time when you felt overwhelmed in the presence of God. Now that kind of faith leads to action. We read that in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. So how do we respond when we believe and experience the presence of God? Well, we respond quite like a group of wise men responded. 
Matthew tells us they traveled from the east to find Jesus. They had seen his star, so by faith they began to follow it. Who knows how many miles they traveled? Could have been around a 1,000 miles they traveled just to find this child the star proclaimed was born. And they followed the star till they came to where Jesus was. The Bible says they saw the young child. They fell down and worshiped him. They believed that star was going to lead them to the one they were looking for. And sure enough, when they came to him, they worshiped him. Here's a little quick side note. I know many of us have wise men at the manger and nativity scene, but it's likely they came after he was out of the manger, out of the stable, and he was in a house at this point. So he could have been up to around two years old. We don't know for sure, but it could have been. Either way, still Jesus, still the Messiah, still worthy of worship. Worship is always the natural expression of our faith. When we experience the wonder of God, our eyes are open to see him, to feel his presence, to hear his voice. We worship him. Here's another question. This is kind of a deep one. How would you define worship? And let me just add this little question after the question. How is worship different or even higher than praise? Now, Christmas, of course, the time we give gifts to people who are close to us. We give them to our spouse, our kids, our parents, our grandparents, our in-laws, our aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, teachers, first responders, tax collectors, taxidermists. We give them to all these people who are close to us who mean so much to us. We want to show our gratitude and our love, so we give gifts. But during the holidays, let's stop and think about what do I give to God? Matthew 7 speaks of a man giving good gifts to his children, but then it goes on to say, How much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? God is our creator, our redeemer, our deliverer, our provider. God gives good gifts. He gives the best gifts. But he also wants us to reciprocate by giving our worship back to him. When we worship God, when we give our worship back to him, we acknowledge his goodness. We honor him for who he is. God is holy. He is the only one worthy of worship. He's the only God who came in human flesh to give his life as a ransom for ours. As David Phelps' song, One King, says, There have been many babies to become a king, but only one king became a baby. When we realize that, the incarnation, the power of it, the beauty of it, we can't help but humble ourselves and worship him. That's how the wise men responded. They bowed down before a baby. They bowed down at his oldest. He would have been two years old. They bowed down before an infant or maybe a toddler. They worshiped him. When we do that, we lay down our pride. We lay down our selfishness, our honor, our reputation, our status, our job title. We lay down our salary because it doesn't matter who we are and what we make. All that matters is who he is. Throughout the Christmas story, we see people who humble themselves so the will of God could be accomplished. The most prominent, of course, is Jesus himself, God, who humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus displayed what humankind should be. Up until Bethlehem, God had dwelt among his people. And yet in the New Testament, God dwelt with his people physically on earth. From his humble beginning of born in a stable as a helpless baby, to submitting himself to his parents' authority, to being ridiculed, to washing his disciples' feet, 
to being publicly humiliated by being hung on a shameful cross, Jesus lived humility. And we are called to do the same. So how do we do that? What are some ways we can display humility? One way we worship God in humility is by giving. The wise men gave their gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It came from their hearts. It was calculated not from a ledger, but from the heart. When we submit ourselves to God, we give up things we believe are important in order to honor God. Many of us have heard that God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to give to him, but not out of duty, out of love. When we humble ourselves to God, we willingly give of our time to work for his kingdom and his glory. We give of our resources to help fund the furtherance of his kingdom. We give to bless others with the blessings we have been blessed with. That's all forms of worship. We give for the king of kings. In the Christmas story, we see a beautiful picture of characters laying down themselves at the feet of the Messiah. Shepherds left their sheep so they could worship God. That night, an entire hillside was all sheep, no shepherds. And yet they ran to Bethlehem so they could worship. Wise men laid down their possessions, gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, in worship. But others in the story laid aside so much more. Think about Mary. Think about Mary being young and unmarried, and then she goes away to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And then when she comes back after being with Elizabeth, well, all of a sudden, she's having a baby too. And now everybody knows in Nazareth that Mary and Joseph, as far as they know, they've not yet been together, meaning Mary's pregnant with somebody else's baby. And so when she tells them, oh, don't worry, guys, this baby is the Messiah. He'll be called the Son of God. Nobody believes her. Mary couldn't point to some of the matriarchs in Scripture and say, well, you know, it's just like it was with Sarah, or it's just like it was with Hannah, or it's just like it was with Miriam, or it's just like it was. She couldn't point to anybody in Scripture because this has never happened before. A virgin has never conceived and given birth to a son. That powerful prophecy in Isaiah 7 that the virgin would conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel refers to there in the Hebrew a young unmarried woman. And we know Isaiah remarried and his wife bore a son. She was the virgin in Isaiah's day, that young unmarried woman. But Mary, Mary's not just young and unmarried. Mary has never been with a man and yet she conceived. Nobody believed her, not even Joseph. I feel for Joseph. I do. I look at Joseph and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. That'd be tough. That'd be a tough sell. I know you love Mary, but that's tough to believe. And this baby is the Messiah that we have been praying for for now 4,000 years? You? I mean, I know you're special and all, but that special? Under that cloud of suspicion, people never believed. And now, thankfully, God in his grace gave Joseph a dream and said, Fear not, Joseph, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and you shall call his name Jesus. So Joseph knew. Mary knew. And as far as they knew, that's all who needed to know. They laid aside so much just so God could come into this world. Thank God for all he has done for us and given us. And all he asks from us is to live our life in worship. One more question. Has there been a time when you surrendered a desire or plan to God, when you realized my life really is not my own, it belongs to him, and I give it to him? Okay, we wrap this up 
with a story told in Angela Hunt's classic, The Tale of Three Trees. If you've never read it, never had it, you should read it in its entirety. This is just a a summary of it. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees dreamed of what they wanted to one day become. The first tree lovingly said, I want to be the most beautiful treasure chest covered with gold and be filled with precious stones. The second tree thought and said, I'll be a strong ship, traveling mighty waters and carrying kings. The third tree simply said, I want to grow tall and point people toward heaven. Years passed and the little trees grew tall. One day three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter chose the first tree, and with a swoop of his shining axe the tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, the first tree said. The second woodcutter approached, and with a swoop of his shining axe the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, said the second tree. Although the third tree once stood proudly, with a swoop of the axe the third tree fell too. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter took her to a carpenter's shop, but the carpenter fashioned the tree into a feed box for animals, where she was coated with sawdust and filled with hay. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard, but the once strong tree was sawed into a simple fishing boat. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumberyard. Years passed. One night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby into the feed box. Though it was not a cradle, suddenly the first tree knew she was holding the greatest treasure in all the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friend crowded into an old fishing boat. A storm arose, and the little boat knew he did not have the strength to carry so many passengers through so much wind and rain. The tired traveler stood up, stretched out his hand, and said, Peace. The storm stopped as quickly as it started. Suddenly, the second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was yanked from the woodpile and carried through an angry, jeering crowd. Soldiers nailed a man's hands to her. But afterward, on the third day, the third tree knew she had served a great purpose. Now every time people would think of the third tree, they would think of God. Sometimes our dreams don't match up with God's plans. I promise you, Mary and Joseph's didn't. We might even forget our dreams. But when we worship God by giving our all to Him, our lives will have so much more value because they will be used for His kingdom and His glory. And when people see us, we will point to him. Let's pray together for God to increase our faith so we can more fully experience the wonder of God, especially this incarnation. And then ask God to reveal areas of our lives we need to offer up and worship to him. If there is an unsurrendered, unsubmitted area in your life, pray for God to reveal that to you so you can give it to him as worship. Jesus, I love you. I'm amazed when I consider the incarnation, the journey from heaven to earth, the sacrifice of giving all you gave up, the humility, the lowliness, the meekness with which you entered our world. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming incarnate in flesh for us to give your life a ransom for us. I love you, Jesus. I want to be in awe of you and wonder. I never want this story to be old. I never want to let it become boring or ever let this story become just tradition. But may it always spark gratitude in my heart and in others. When people look at us, help us 
to point them to you, Jesus. I pray if there's an area in my life that is unsubmitted, unsurrendered, that I have never given to you fully, show me so I can give my whole life to you completely, fully, and live a life of surrender and worship. I ask you for this today. Praise you for it. Love you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, notify. That way you will never miss an episode and share it with others so they can be blessed by God's Word for Life. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got some awesome resources there. In fact, all the God's Word for Life curriculum is there from all the way from little learners up to adult. Everything from leader guides, devotional guides, resource kits, you name it, we've got it. God's Word for Life is there on PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code GWFL10, you'll save 10% off your entire order except curriculum. So if you're looking for Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, all of that, 10% off. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I surely hope it has been and will be a wonderful Christmas season. Next week, we wrap up our final episode in this series, God's Holiness and Ours, and the final episode of the entire year. And next week, I will share with you the number one city, according to download, that we had in 2023. So I'm excited to share that with you next week. I'll tell you who our contenders are. They are Denver, Colorado, Chicago, Illinois, and Dallas, Texas. So if you think your city is the winner, I want to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for God's Word for Life. Or you can email me, lharry at upci.org, L-H-A-R-R-Y at upci.org. I want to hear from you if you're from Denver, Chicago, or Dallas. And let me know why you think your city is the number one city according to the God's Word for Life podcast download counter. Next week, our final episode in the series and the year is called Holy for a Purpose, and it comes from the story of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.